Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, Daria Oxenova returns. The first time Daria joined the Art Condition podcast, it was just too much to talk about in one episode. Daria is not only a very accomplished artist, but also has a strong understanding of many business skills that are highly relevant to artists in all mediums. If you haven't heard that episode, please find the link in the show notes and give it a listen. It's not required to understand the information in this episode, but you're missing a gold mine if you don't. At the beginning of our talk this week, we revisit the subject of social media because there's never enough to say about that topic. I think you'll find some new information there that can help guide responsible use of this necessary evil. And from there, we go on to advertising. This is something a lot of artists may not be thinking of at all. And there are some valuable insights as far as where, how, and to who you can or should be advertising. This easily segued into the last part of our chat, which covered some fine details in personal website building and how to optimize it for traffic and how to place your personal site at the receiving end of an effective traffic tunnel. We hope you enjoy listening, and if there are any topics you wish we had covered, or if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to send a message. Let us know your thoughts. As a quick side note, in this episode, we discussed a lot of extremely valuable tools and resources for artists to help promote their work, as well as make their lives easier and more efficient. You will find links to many of those items that we discussed in the show notes. The show notes section always has a lot of valuable info in it, but in this episode, it is particularly bountiful. Without any more delay, here's our talk with Daria Oxenova. This is the second time that you've been with us now, Daria. Thank you for coming back. Um, the first uh, was a massive download of information, and it was only a fragment of what you have to offer us. Um, so... The, a, a link to like our previous episode will be in the show notes. Um, you know, we're not going to rehash too much of, of that stuff. We're kind of just going to go in just as more or less as if this is just a continuation of that conversation. Um, there will be a couple of things that we'll want to kind of touch on a, a little bit again. But before we go right into the questions, um, for those who might be joining us new, let's do a, a quick review of who you are and what brings you to us today. Hey everyone, um, my name is Daria Xenova. I'm a visual narrative artist or storyteller. Um, I do pen and ink on hand cut suspended layered paper. Um, shadow boxes, think about shadow boxes or dioramas when you think of my work. Um, it's meticulously illustrated layers that take an enormous amount of time but then look quite enchanting down the road and fabulous so yeah and i'm a full-time artist um based in houston texas 
and yeah and it should be emphasized how intricate these are they're incredible and they get big too like what's your i know they can be small i've seen small ones but i've seen ones that are like i don't know maybe it was just the perspective of the picture but it looked like it could be floor to ceiling in like a 10 foot <laughs> a ceiling house i do have plans for one that large down the road but uh currently the largest one i have worked on um we try not to lie 57 by 33 inches it's almost human size like the frame for it was basically a small coffin uh, <laughs> and it was 12 inches deep um so that's the most elaborate one that i have ever done that is also the one that has cost me my hands sadly <laughs> oh really but yeah, yeah. so your art is incredible it's it's prolific um and it also requires a, a lot of work on your part you know for not just the making of it um but also you know the promotion of it the marketing of it the sales the distribution there's so much for you that is involved in getting this art going uh and because of that you've learned an incredible amount on all of those subjects and that's why we've been interested in having you on not just one time but two times now um and it turns out that uh you have two varieties of your artwork the more geometric and the more fantastical realism so you have to double up on uh the type of advertising or marketing that you do anyway i do i actually cover different marketing strategies for both um because i would be preferably known for my illustration shadow boxes versus just the paper cut uh, work. Um, so I don't market my other series as wildly online. It's mostly direct marketing to um, firms and agents and uh, marketing companies. Just basically it's really good decorative art. So. so it's hush-hush, but it's just for the money. Wouldn't say just for the money because <laughs> I'm stubborn enough that then I wouldn't do it. I do enjoy working on them because they do give me a break mentally because it's, um, it's very technical work that doesn't require a lot of thought. So I don't have to think about composition. I don't have to think about... Um, you know, figure drawing because it's very much um, geometric, geometrically concentric shapes. So it's, it gives me a break at the same time as it also helps me provide for myself. So as a lead in to some of our initial questions, I want to do just like a quick review of one part of our conversation from our first talk that we had. Um, we talked about, I wanted, we started out in our first interview talking about a, developing a plan, like artists developing a game plan uh, for their marketing strategy. And one of the things that you opened with was uh, social media, having a social media plan. And um, Instagram was sort of the example that you used as your sort of like main overview of, of that part 
of a uh, marketing strategy. Um, and we talked a little bit about that, and I wanted to come back to that for a little bit um, because it seems like as much time as I spend on social media, and I kind of get this feedback from other people too, or trying to understand social media, it almost seems like it becomes like more and more enigmatic to the point where it's like, I know that there's something here that I want to know, but I almost don't know enough to know what questions to ask. So I feel compelled sometimes to ask an overabundance of questions and maybe revisit a lot of the same subject in order to kind of start narrowing down on these things. Um, so in, in the course of that, that conversation, we talked a little bit about how the impression that we've got is that uh, users on Instagram don't really like to leave Instagram. Maybe even that, um, Instagram actively tries to restrict people from doing that. Well, not restrict them, but, uh, encourage them to not make it difficult for them to get off of Instagram, to go other places. And one of the things that you mentioned was uh, something called uh, drip marketing and that you kind of have to maintain a steady supply, uh, not just of, of posts and of presence on the platform, but that within those posts, there needs to be some kind of continuous call to action. Um, and I had asked, well, that sounds like it could maybe get annoying <laughs> because you're just continually like pushing self-promotion. And you said, well, it has to be wrapped into a, a, a package of some kind, something to make it a little bit more digestible, something a little bit more appealing than just this constant, hey, I'm an artist. Here's my art. Go buy my art. Um, so this is sort of a long preamble to what I want to ask, which is, um, is there a follower threshold for that? That seems to be the thing that, that Instagram that you need on Instagram. And I, so I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, that you need a big following for this technique to work. Um, would you agree with that? Or can people with smaller followings and by smaller, I mean like less than 10,000. And people with smaller followings on Instagram still benefit from this, the, the, some of the techniques that you're talking about. Um, you definitely can benefit from it. So when you th think of drip marketing, basically think of it like grinding in a video game. Um, that's usually the analogy I make to myself. Uh, so, and you actually rather have a small but dedicated following that engages with with your actual content because you want people to engage with it because you want them to read whatever you wrote and um, you do want them to follow you and be interested in your career and what you're doing versus just plain numbers because a like is easy, right? A view is easy, comparatively speaking. Um, the actual um, having an engaged patron that keeps checking if they don't see you for a while on, the, on their feed, they go and look up what happened to you, so to say. <laughs> and usually Instagram, Instagram does suppress um, the algorithm basically uh, trained itself to push popular 
things almost creating a sort of a self-perpetuating propaganda machine. <laughs> um, a positive reinforcement loop. Yeah, uh, but not always to the most positive content. It's just the high gloss uh, things usually. And it's, it's a lot of grinding. So it, it takes patience and it takes just keeping up to date and keeping, sorry, I have a little possum in my shirt and swiggling. <laughs> um, uh, so just not even repetitive. Um, um, I always felt like basically ashamed to market myself, um, but that usually has a deeper seated um, reason emotional reason so um it took me a few years to figure that out why i was you know feeling shame and not wanting to do it or why it was such a hard threshold to cross but people generally uh, most people are not inquisitive or curious enough unless they're extremely dedicated and or bordering on stalkerish to see your post and just check every single social media to see if you have a website, to see if you have a shop. Um, so unless you mention something, people have no idea that you have it, that you're selling it, that you're making it, um, or even like running, running Patreon. Most people have no idea I have one because I'm still somehow ashamed advertising it. So, but I've gotten better at prints and what I've been doing to overcome that um, I've been using social media, I embellish prints for my Patreon as an example, and I do in-progress videos for that and like the the shiny like pictures, whatever you call them, um, like the flip flip picture, uh, and post those just to be able like, hey guys, check out what, you know, I figured out kind of thing. If you want to want know more, ask, and if you want one of your own, um, I have a patron and I actually had, since I've started it, I've had people reach out and order custom larger ones, embellished ones. So it has been um, quite successful, knock on wood. So one of the things I, I think bears repeating or emphasizing is that there's no overdoing uh, mentioning where to find your, your other work. Because, uh, for example, Steve Sketches, he has an Instagram that went pretty successfully. But even though he, in his bio he has the link to his Twitch page, and in every single one of his posts, he wrote something about his Twitch streams. He still has people coming to him onto his stream saying, Hey, I found you on Instagram a long time ago. I had no idea you streamed. So there's no overdoing it. Yeah, between uh, people having a much shorter attention span nowadays and Instagram not showing to all your followers, all your posts um, with trying to force you to promote those. Um, you need about 10 posts mentioning the same thing for about half to 75% of your followers to actually come across it that are active followers to even see it. And that doesn't mean they would memorize it. So you need another 10 on top. So it just the more you mention it, the better. Um, and the best is like, if you're feeling conflicted, um, try to make it playful. 
try to mention it without mentioning it without saying hey i'm artist bye um go more like like be like oh so i tried out this new technique and it's really cool and if you want to know more i would love to share with you and i do actually one of the ways i try to get people over to um like my patreon and my twitch for my patreon um i publish uh free to the public so anybody can see those uh posts every secondish months about sometimes every month depending on uh time allowance that just detail an interesting technique and if you subscribe you get more in depth um well step by step like how i build frames or how i i don't know cut glass or how do i measure what and it's it's an endless wall of stuff i've been having a lot of people requesting actual tutorials and assembly of those and um, how to calculate for the depth uh, and similar. And for Twitch, um, I've been going about it. I actually am incredibly, I, I have not mentioned Twitch, I don't think, even once in my feed yet. But I have um, created basically easy to post stories whenever I go online. And um, I have reached 10,000 followers uh, late 2020, I believe, or mid 2020 finally. <clears throat> so it gives you a swipe up link. So I basically, um, I do sometimes batch shoots for Instagram, like me showing my work uh, or, you know, if I have to get dressed up and put on not studio clothing, <laughs> uh, might as well shoot like, you know, 300, 400 pictures and then pick the ones down the road, which to use. And um, I did combine like my artwork pictures zoomed in and then the Twitch logo, and it says live on Twitch, plus me holding my work. And then whenever I post one of those, they're easily accessible. I literally have them in my in a folder, and I have them in different formats. I have one format for um, Instagram stories, one format for, uh, oh my God, not Twitch, Twitter, because um, it needs to be you know horizontal for that, but looks exactly the same. And um, I, I think I made about 12 of them alternating three photos of me and maybe six photos of like six different works by zoomed in on different parts and um whenever i post them i just put the swipe up link in there tell them hey guys we're doing this today if you want to ask questions this is what you find me right so it's been actually quite successful and i have noticed that i do get more traction that way also, I've noticed some other artists have been doing and had had success with preparing your fan base for what you're about to do. So um, I forgot that illustrator's name. He is fabulous with Goldleaf. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Tim Vaughn mm -mm. or Kirk Shannon? Mm -mm. I think his name starts with an A. I might be completely wrong though. He published a, a Kickstarter book a while back, but he was wildly successful. And one of the interviews that he did, uh, he explained that he's been talking about making that book for 10 years and constantly mentioning that that's what he wants to do. That's how he's going to do it and which, which route he's going to take and what it's going to be about. So by the time it was ready to actually launch Kickstarter, 
everybody has been waiting for years. So it was just pulling the trigger, right, when he was ready. Um, and um, again, other artists with even Twitch, like, I'm going to, here's my schedule for this week, you know, if, if you can give yourself a schedule, because um, I'm not good about keeping schedules at all. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but even three days, because it gives you, uh, with stories especially, it gives uh, the post time to reach your audience, right? So that helps quite a bit. Uh, I think another um, good thing about uh, the, the Kickstarters warming up is uh, you can set up the Kickstarter page in advance, like we, are, we talked about with Ethan a few weeks ago, and just have them put on their, their wish list or I forget what the uh, pre-backing button that they click is. It just gives, uh, gives them uh, the announcement when it goes live. So they're basically on a wait list on the site, so they're ready to click back as soon as it goes live. So if you are doing that for 10 years in advance, that's, that's good. It, normally it would be like uh, more than three months and people might forget about it, but if you have that uh, Kickstarter uh, already set up for them to back as soon as it goes live, then you can start back uh, that project as soon as you want to. I actually didn't know about that feature. I'm not super familiar with Kickstarter other than, you know, uh, backing other people's projects and knowing them very, very basic, like reach out to manufacturers first, etc. Um, I'm really stubborn, so I feel like I need to fund the project first myself and then try to get <laughs> funding for it, if it makes any sense. So it succeeds no matter what. Um, I'm very backwards there. <laughs> so I'd rather do I've heard of finishing the project first before you uh, put it on Kickstarter, but I haven't heard about funding it before you put it on a Kickstarter. I'm very stubborn. Like if I want to make something, I'm going to make it. And I've been, um, so I, I release things extremely slowly, mostly because I quite generally sometimes forget what I was doing. Um, and I have a lot of uh, test products that I order that I try and throw out the time because I'm I'm working everything at once and you kind of have to if you want to be full, truly full-time as an artist. you got to put your eggs in as many baskets as you can. Um, <clears throat> so I've been actually uh, branching back out to doing um, athletic wear. So for, you know, like running, running wear with... Um, so I design a lot of patterns on my character's clothing, quite elaborate and intricate. And um, I've had quite a few um, women followers reach out to me like, oh my God, I would kill for this skirt, right? Or I, I would kill for this top. And um, I've been just slowly collecting that feedback and um, finding manufacturers um, that could recreate literally the dress from my drawing, but also have been trying to um, take it further for more useful things. Because you will probably buy a frilly dress that's going to cost a few hundred dollars, but can you wear it every day, right? So if I can offer something like a t-shirt or a sweater or similar, so I've been getting lots of samples from um, embroidery companies and all that, and I have quite literally a few drawers that are each dedicated to whatever product I'm going to launch in the future. And I talk about it too. Um, I talk about it, especially on Twitch and I 
get feedback from whomever comes on because especially the people that decide, sorry, somebody grabbed the door, um, especially if people decide to always tune in, obviously they're interested enough to sacrifice their time to spend talking to me. And that is a huge plus to getting feedback because your art is hitting correctly. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter at that point if they're paying customer or not. They are sacrificing their time. So down the road, it usually always pays off. I'm, I'm big on, I don't like predatory marketing. I don't like pushing people into something they don't want to do. Um, so I, I prefer to just tell people and offer them something. And then if they need two years to decide, I will let them decide for two years. And if whatever they want is still there, then it is theirs. So, and it has worked, knock on wood, worked quite well for me um, with doing the books the last few weeks. Um, I was going through and I actually had an incredible amount of in-person original sales from people that I've met at conventions when I first started five years ago, like small dinky conventions. Um, and little like vendor events that I personally don't remember anymore that reached out to me like, oh my God, we, you know, we have extra budget. We can finally afford a piece. And um, so I'm, I'm counting like email sales as in-person sales basically. So that actually um, helped quite a bit. And I didn't realize just how much of it was coming in until I went through all my data and, saw it because it was actually higher than in 2019. So, which su incredibly surprised me for original artwork. Um, I want to go back to the Instagram thing for a second and maybe Moose, you and Daria can help me uh, understand maybe like what I'm not understanding my dim brain on this one. Um, like Nadaria, you were saying uh, you know, that people with smaller followings can benefit from this technique of kind of like consistent application. But Moose, you were saying that Steve, who has like 70,000 followers, had been being consistent, but still lots of people weren't getting it. So where are those two things meeting together as far as like not needing very many as long as you're being consistent? But even if you have shit tons of followers your consistency is still getting lost so that's what goes to dedicated following versus just oh cool picture right okay because again a follower like it doesn't do much right, right. if i if i could get even a dollar for every follower I have a month. <laughs> oh my God, I would have no problems in my life ever. Right. Uh, which you think should be freaking possible, but it's usually not. So Instagram, the algorithm actually punishes you for having too many followers. So because you all of a sudden reach people, but they're not engaging with the content because they, they follow thousands of people, right? You maybe come up while they're sitting on the toilet probably, and they just go and swipe and swipe and swipe, 
Or if you have a small dedicated following that is constantly looking out for your new work, they will actually check for you and interact with your posts, which in turn tells Instagram like, oh, this person should be pushed for growth. Um, but then they in turn punish you <laughs> later on. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, all, uh, it's all chasing your own tail basically. And as much as you can, I would recommend trying to um, take all the different social media because it's not your platform. You don't have control over it at all and push them towards signing up for your newsletter. And, or um, like I, I allow accounts on my website. I pay extra for that feature with Squarespace, um, but you can have an account. So you get updated when something new comes on without even the newsletter. Cause let's, let's be truthful. I have, screwed up and I forgot to send the newsletter last month. <laughs> so <laughs> it does happen. Um, and also sometimes people, you know, you catch them at the bad day and they're like, I hate this newsletter. I'm going to unsubscribe, but they still interested. They're just in a bad mood. It has happened to me a few times that they resubscribe later on. They're like, so, so that's, that's interesting. That, that makes me wonder. And I don't know, this might not be, possible to answer outside of theorizing because at some point we hit you know the the veil of the pale with instagram where there we can only speculate but it makes me wonder if having that small following as long as you're being consistent like that's one thing they always hear about with instagram moose you've talked about it for years now just like you need to be consistent but then some people think about like well i don't have I don't have it in me to give Instagram the consistency that it seems to demand in order to get large response, but maybe we can think about it differently and imagine low effort consistency, <laughs> like just almost kind of just like the bare minimum, but you're at least getting it to the people that, that want to see it. I'm going to jump in here real quick. Um, I think the problem with that is Instagram decay. You can expect a, a certain percentage of people on Instagram to stop using the application every year. It can be anywhere from 10 to 30% of, of the people that are following you will just stop using the application. So if you want to just have a small following, that following will still decay. And then you'll have, like, a, if you let's say you had 10,000 followers. Well, now only 7,000 of them are active. And to Instagram, your activity, your, your engagement is dropping, even though it has nothing to do with you. It's just your followers are not using the application anymore. So they're going to send the fewer of your own followers and it becomes a, a negative a feedback loop. The opposite of the positive feedback loop where it's sending it out to less. So you're getting less engagement. So that says, okay, we should send it to less people. So then you get less engagement. Then it's, it's a death spiral. But if we also assume a small but steady increase or additive to your follower count, as some are dropping off, other ones are coming on you'd have to have them be the engaged followers that were replacing the other previous engaged followers. Cause if you're replacing those engaged followers that are dropping off with unengaged followers, like Darby was saying, they'll look at your post when they're on the toilet and uh, maybe they'll click like, but they won't read anything you say, and they're not going to buy anything from you. Then you're getting a drop off in the quality of the follower that you're having you know, quality quote unquote. But um, so they're there and they're seeing your stuff and maybe they'll like it, but they're not helping you. So I hear what you're saying, but then I'm taking Daria as an example because um, we don't want to leave you out of this conversation, Daria. <laughs> um, 
uh, Daria has managed to continue a a slow but steady growth with uh, Daria. Correct me if I'm wrong. You, you, you haven't been, you know, you, you haven't, you've been grinding Instagram, but not in the way of like, you're doing stories, you're doing IGTV, you're doing the reels, you're doing a, a regular post. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Like head explodes, you know, too many, too many things. Um, I have been actually jumping a bit on the bandwagon because I do follow other creators that I actively interact with that are, have large followings. And I extremely active, like talking about everyday life daily which I personally, I didn't, I didn't grow up with even the computer. I didn't get one until I was, you know, a teenager, like mid teens. Um, so I don't have that, I guess, need or want to share everything that happens in my life. And I actually like, I, I, I engage with them. I find it interesting. I love that they're sharing. Uh, it makes me feel involved and we became friends over time. Um, but I feel really weird about doing it myself. So, um, I haven't gotten to the point yet. I try to be, I have been completely silent. I believe now for almost three weeks due to paperwork, because I just been, as you can see from like last, our last interview, I'm very like somber, I guess, <laughs> cause I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. My head is tired and, um, I haven't been in the headspace to even schedule my posts. Um, or write any engaging captions because I, I generally have nothing to share. I I can share the new Excel sheet formula I've learned, but nobody wants to see that. <laughs> so I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, is uh, has it just been a regular posting schedule that you think has gotten you up to the follower count where you are now? It's been a mix of following the other creators and engaging with them. And they're usually on top of what is trending. And so following kind of a little bit in their footsteps there, um, doing hashtag research with, you know, um, the equivalent free apps that you can get. And the free version is good enough. They're not perfect at tracking the actual numbers unless you pay for them um, for like, you know, how many times that hashtag was used um but they will suggest similar hashtags to you and sometimes it goes you know this one's better to use than this one like it has like the green orange red scale um and just going with that and uh diversifying the niches you think you fit in um i never even thought Mm -hmm. till about three months ago to try to market to people who like gothic decoration and gothic architecture. Um, and, bef- and it's been fairly successful. Um, and the same thing happened with, um, I didn't think about marketing for years, marketing to people who like book art, quite literally like people doing artwork and books and cutting out layers and you know carving books and similar never crossed my mind or just in general breeders like there's hashtags like bibliophile etc so you need to do a little bit of a research there but there's absolutely endless um 
tutorials if you just Google it. So if you read three or four of them, you're completely set. What you don't want to do is um, copy-paste, and I actually have been minimizing my hashtags, just trying out what works, and it seems that um, when I keep it under at 15 or under 15, I get better and faster, you know, uh, dissemination of my posts, so to say. <clears throat> um, and there is a way to actually see, I don't know if they have fixed it, um, there was a way to see how to, each hashtag is performing and how many clicks you're getting through that because they they used to show you that for a short period of time and then they canceled it because they noticed they can take money for it. When you promote a post that has hashtags on it, even for a dollar, it will sh it used to show you every single number broken down which hashtag is performing how. Um, I haven't tried it in a while because I have I haven't promoted anything to, since like November 2020, I believe. Um, so just a little trick for you guys if you wanted to try it out. Again, not sure if it still works. They might have fixed it. Well, not to spend all of our time on Instagram. Um, last, but just spend a little bit more time on. Instagram. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> um, so previously I, on the show, I just mentioned that uh, I was urging people to avoid uh, growing on Instagram because there's uh, almost like it was Instagram Island where people would go onto there and never leave. Um, I did find there is a, a use to having a large audience, even if you can't get them to move to your Patreon or buying your stuff on other websites. Could you, could you elaborate on that Island? Thing? So Instagram gives you one link to get off the website that's on your profile and then it swipe up. But um, again, using Steve as an example, 70 some thousand followers on average, 2000 would watch, would click on his daily uh, stories and only about two would swipe up. So that sounds like an island to me where they won't, we're not leaving the platform. Like he was saying, Hey, I, I worked on this Kickstarter. Here's a link to Kickstarter. If you want to support it, you had some of your thought. So the interesting thing, I think people keep confusing my studio for the bathroom. Somebody keeps rattling doorknobs. Uh, <laughs> um, I've noticed that when I'm in stories, when I'm making it, I don't want to say game, it has a negative connotation. Um, when I'm making it not about selling, I get more swipe ups. Uh, so I, I actually, I have about 300 people uh, to 600 people look at my stories. And if they're not very engaging, it's only usually 100. Uh, funny enough, like me posting the trimmed palm, what, two weeks ago that I came across that looked very phallic, gotten the most views I've ever had, which just makes me incredibly sad. <laughs> A freaking palm tree. All right. And <clears throat> um, so back to the making it engaging. So whenever I finished my Patreon, I didn't even go like talk to people like, oh, my God, go go support me. I just asked people, hey, guys, I worked really freaking hard on it. And I tried to make it really cool and friendly and engaging. Um, do you mind 
going and just checking it out and reading through it and like giving me your feedback. I would love to hear your feedback. Um, so engage, engage the community because the more you do for the community itself, as I mentioned um, last time, the more the community will start to support you too. Um, so just take feedback because a lot of the artist community also the artists support the artists. It's a it's a lot of circular money movement, and I'm starting to feel like we'll literally just circulate money at this point. <laughs> There's some of that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll back your Patreon if you back mine. That's worth thing. <laughs> and or I buy your piece, and I buy someone else's piece, and that person buys the next person piece, and then at some point it comes back to you. <laughs> yep, and that uh, I'm, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So I'll, I'll hold that thought. Um, what I was going to say was, uh, even if you have a large following and you can't get them to directly, um, support you, um, you can't, if you do have a large following and you're making art, you can then appeal to companies marketing budgets instead of just their art budgets. So you can get paid $10,000 to draw one piece for Dungeons and Dragons instead of $500 for one piece. And then you post that on your Instagram and it's, in the style they want that's attributed to whatever project they're currently pushing. And uh, that way you, you get into the marketing budget, which is much higher than the art budget. And it's a paying for a post rather than paying to be inside one of their publications. I actually wasn't, I, I'm, I'm aware that companies will pay for promotions and et cetera. And I've, I've gotten, brands to sponsor and send me product um uh, but i usually email them back like i would love to try it out it might take much longer than you're putting into your marketing plan uh so don't send it to me with like unless you're paying me for posts to do a job it, it might take half a year until i even open up the package because i know what's in there but deadlines so um yeah i wasn't aware that you could go that far with um with like Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro rather. Um, Cause I've seen some large following, sorry, he's climbing all over me again. Um, large following uh, artists post like serious promotional, but stuff with good graphic design, et cetera. That makes sense now. So for magic, I'm right. sorry. I mean, it's just part of their marketing. So if they think that that artist is the audience that they want to see their product, then they're just going to use that um, as an extension. It's so more just actually, they're making an advertisement at that point. They yeah. are basically making an advertisement at that point, even though they're hiding it as an as a, like a kick-ass illustration or something. That's also for people that have like big numbers. <laughs> yeah, over a hundred thousand followers. Uh, a friend in marketing sent me a infographic and it was basically saying, this is what marketers are looking for when they're, uh, when a marketing agency is, uh, sending us clients that are like, whether they're Twitch streamers or, uh, Instagram influencers, quote unquote. Um, and it just has how, which platforms they are on, how many followers they have on each platform, including Twitch, even though all of us on Twitch know the following number is irrelevant on Twitch, but the executives know what a follower is because of, uh, they know what a follower is on, on YouTube. They know what a follower is on other platforms. So they just think that matters on Twitch, even though it doesn't. Because we all know you have 100,000 followers on Twitch, and you can have 20, 000, you can have tw uh, 20 concurrent viewers, right? So it, the concurrent viewers we know is important on Twitch, 
but they don't know that. So just put on the, uh, you can put down both, like total viewer hours and uh, uh, f total follower count. Just whatever the big numbers are on your on your uh, on each of your platforms, and then a little bit about what your background is. A little blurb. You know, you're an artist. These are your fields. Uh, this is your the description of your style, similar to these other artists or whatever. And then you can send that out to the marketing departments for other uh, studios, and maybe they'll even hire you to do actual art for their project, but they'll also consider you for marketing. I'm not allowed. I've never thought of. Uh proficiently like taking the lead there and sending out basically project proposal to them for marketing. Um, I do know that whenever they do look, there's certain websites like social blade. I don't know if you're aware of that, that gives your account a grade about your interaction and your posting and how your growth has been. So you can see um, accounts that have paid for followers. So you can also, deduce that yourself easily when you're looking at larger accounts. And um, it's kind of fun sometimes to compare. Um, it does exist for Twitter, Twitch, um, TikTok, every, everything has it. And um, once you start searching for yourself, it will actually register you. But I'm going to um, pull up a uh, infographic example that um, a friend sent me. That is what the marketing divisions of companies are looking for. Um, while, while he's doing that, uh, is it all right if I jump to one of our next questions? Um, sure. yeah, on our, in our last talk, um, well, we didn't discuss too much uh, about other social media platforms. Y you did briefly mention at one time, uh, at one point during that conversation that, uh, uh, that people should focus on the platform that seems to fit them the best. So where you're getting the good engagement, where you feel most comfortable engaging with the platform. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Instagram. Like that's, I think that's like a good thing to, uh, like I've recently kind of stepped away from Instagram, not even intentionally, like it wasn't a, a rage quit or anything, but I got way more into Twitter and that's been just being seemed more like fun <laughs> like god forbid we have fun on social media still um so yeah i think that that's worth discussing and and you had talked a little bit about tiktok last time that you were here um have you maintained a presence on tiktok is is something happening over there so tiktok seems interesting that when the, the algorithm algorithm finally decides to push you um, you can, they give you, you know, they reward you with functionality that you didn't have before. And one of them is live streaming. So, um, and I've noticed a lot of artists that did break through and had their first live stream. Uh, they had, <laughs> they had a lot of people immediately go to their shop and buy prints and or other merch that they have. And uh, even as far as some originals. And once TikTok starts to push you, it pushes you out, not just to a few hundred people or your followers or some people that might like your art. It pushes you out to like 100,000 people or um, up to a million. Like it, it gets insane. It gets absolutely insane. It's kind of a little bit like winning the jackpot, but happens way more often. And it will be the most random video I've had. Um, I've had like random stuff that I posted like 
check this out, do really, really well. And then posting a video that I worked extremely hard on and I did, you know, used After Effects and edited it properly and that had 10 views. So <laughs> yeah, it, it gets interesting. It's a very a good community. Like as long as you are on the right side of it, because there's, you know, just like Twitter, um, the dark corners. Um, the community is extremely supportive and very against gatekeeping. So you can ask a creator anything and they will just give you a video reply, which is so much easier than endlessly texting back and forth. Right. So I'm, I'm, I love the platform. I have been using it still as a consumer, um, while being on my hiatus, I just haven't, I haven't been feeling, I don't have enough emotional, basical, basically emotional energy to currently make videos and to do any type of content for social media, but I'm almost done <laughs> with the damn bookkeeping. <laughs> I think the important thing to keep in mind is that the algorithms will always change. So if you're not having a, a success on one platform this year, maybe next year, the, the algorithm will actually uh, be useful to you. Um, for example, uh, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, I think, with Twitter. They switched their algorithm from uh, uh, promoting images, posts that had tweets that had images in them, and suppressing uh, tweets that had links in them, to now they're suppressing both links and uh, images. So when I load up my, uh, my Twitter every day, the first 10 or 20 posts are all just strictly text posts, text tweets. And... Uh, so that's what it is right now. And when I did my tweet that went viral uh, last week or the week before, I purposely just did text tweets. And that's it, except for occasionally inside the thread when I had links. And that was it. Well, that is very interesting. I wasn't aware of that. I'm, I'm terrible at Twitter because I just get angry every time I'm on it. <laughs> very angry. That's common. I mean, while you say that, I, I, I don't disbelieve you. But as I scroll through my own feed, like, I mean, I imagine that there's some variability amongst users because I haven't really noticed as much difference in what it's showing me and what it's not. But I actually, well, I take that back. I did switch it from like the algorithm feed because this is one thing that I like about Twitter is you can switch from the algorithm feed to, uh, uh, oh God, uh, What's it called? Where it's in sequence of like the order that they're posted. Chronological. In. Chronological. Thank you. Uh, you can change it to be a chronological feed. So I don't know. Maybe that's why I haven't noticed much of a difference. Um, it could be, but um, there are some days where I will see images, but like nine out of ten days, I will see only text posts until I start refreshing. And then when I refresh, then a bunch of images will come up because like ninety nine percent of the people I follow are artists or has something to do with the video games. So. Most of the stuff is either GIFs, videos, or links, or um, or images that they're posting. But very rarely, there'll be text posts. And I tend to get those to be crammed up towards the top on the first time I refresh that day. I need to pay attention to that. Yeah. I haven't been, so I didn't notice anything. And it might change tomorrow. That's the thing with these algorithms. They're never going to be consistent because they don't want you knowing what they're doing. Because if you know what they're doing, that means that they have to... Uh, which they didn't account for in their algorithm. They don't account for everybody knowing what the algorithm is. So that means 
they have to change it because they want people to act like humans, not to act like robots that uh, follow the algorithm. But they ended up with they end up tra training these people to act like robots. I got one for you. Um, so I actually got into I went down a rabbit hole on uh, conversational AI. Deep, deep rabbit hole, like, didn't sleep for, like, 48 hours. Um, <clears throat> and I have found one that writes amazing marketing copy that is um, accessible to you and I, where you, you don't have to pay, you know, $2,500 a month. Um, it's called Jarvis.ai, I believe. Um, I can drop a link in. Because uh, if you guys use the first three days are free, and then it's $29 a month, and it's month-to-month -month basis. And I think if you use the link I give you, you get like extra word count. Um, first of all, it is freaking hilarious while you're training it. I was rolling on the floor. I gave myself an asthma attack laughing. Because <laughs> it comes up with the funniest shit. Oh, excuse my language. <clears throat> Cursing uh, is encouraged. <laughs> but this one, um, I spend about a good... 12 hours with it and just trying out all the different uh, functions that it has and it has a ton and it's very user-friendly. Um, it does a really, really great job phrasing things very, I, I guess to me, romanticized. I'm very logical and I have a hard time being like, oh, this is a great benefit because, you know, uh, if you love foxes, you will love this, right? Or um decorate your jacket bag or head to be the coolest kid in the neighborhood i just don't talk that way i don't i try to get to the point i have a goal and i take the shortest route and um i've been trying out snippets of text and i did for twitter and half of that tweet was written by an ai and then about half a sentence i tagged onto it and I have never had more than two likes on the post. <laughs> I had, um, it, it went very well. People engaged with it. There was, I think, 17 reposts. There were comments and there was 35 likes. So. This seems promising. In just an interesting example. Uh, could you, uh, while we're uh, on the topic, uh, post that link in chat to the Jarvis? And I will ask you a follow-up question while we're uh, while you're typing that out. Um, it's actually related to this. Um, with emotion being something that can drive uh, people to be engaged with a topic, uh, Justin Donaldson we talked about last uh, time around, where he was uh, basically selling serenity, selling peace with his art, where he was directing all of his uh, marketing towards the idea that this is peaceful, this is this is uh, comforting, this is calming, and directing all their his marketing in that direction. Uh, I was wondering, do you have any other examples? Because uh, not a lot of people out there are marketing peace. So what are, do you have any ideas of other uh, artists who have different themes that they market rather than just uh, Justin? Um, I did post... Sorry, wrong, wrong screen. Um, I did post the link doesn't seem to have copied fully. Oh, the question mark is going to break the link. So just the copy and the uh, control. Uh, okay. Copy and paste that. Um, manually, so check it out. Just even if just to play with, it's it's very amusing. Um, 
other people that market, let me think. He really took it basically to the next level. Like he rather um, has a good grasp on it and understands, I guess, the emotional leeway that you need to use with the serenity. So once he hit that, he kept going with that. Um, let me think. Um, <laughs> I would say Annie does a really good job, but it's all about consistency too. So uh, Annie Stag Gerard and uh, Justin Gerard. So Justin has um, his thing focused about around uh, the let's draw monsters, right? Um, so it's very like, hey, community, and let's check it out and, you know, I'm going to be live on Twitter and you can join me and I will look at your work. And if you want to feedback, do feedback. Uh, so he has the community centered approach to the marketing. Um, Any has a very serene, I would say, approach to it. There's one artist and I cannot for the love of it, remember her name. I hope I don't get it wrong. She's a Chinese artist and she does super engaging content, but her art is not the actual painting she creates. She like dips flowers in paint and paints with them. Do you know who I'm talking about? You 100% have seen it. It's, she has millions of followers. So her whole shtick is the performance art while she's creating that piece. So the dipping of the roses, the throwing of a paint, the going like with her hands on the canvas and very emotional and like the romanticized version of how an artist behaves. Like if you wanted it and if you um, if you don't feel weird doing it, you're completely comfortable. I, I just can't. It's exhausting to me. Um, you could do that. You could take quite literally the stereotypical romant uh, romanticism Romanticization, romanticization. Not a word. It's English, sure. Make up a word. It's probably just okay. as valid. Romantic version. There we go. <clears throat> of the artist that the general public has, or again, your preferred client has, um, or client type, and just completely immerse yourself into it. Um, I've known uh, some artists we have here in Houston. This guy dressed up like Bob Ross and painted live. And people knew him as that and people followed him because of that. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of our I'm audiences like, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Uh, a lot of our audience is like high fantasy artists where uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, etc. And uh, so what should they do? Like LARPing while they're painting? Like, yar, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smite this stroke, ha ha ha, or something. I don't know. You totally could. You definitely could. You could take a twenty-sided die and assign twenty actions that you're gonna do in your piece, or even tell like in your stories days prior, like guys, pick twenty actions that we can assign to this, um, and then make people choose. People like to choose. I've noticed. 
like the like this or that kind of stuff. Um, it's been super popular. Um, and literally after that, then do a work in progress video where you roll the freaking dice and then draw whatever it is that you're drawing, or, you know, and then cut it to make it more palatable or make it a really long video with um, Instagram TV. Um, but yes, yes, you 100% can. <laughs> Or, or if somebody is doing, I, I really like that idea. Actually, no, I want to try it. Or if somebody's doing portraits of uh of people, then they can dress up as that person and uh, wear the wig and all that stuff, and be like, maybe maybe even impersonate them, like uh, doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger painting, and they're like, I'll get to the chopper, and then you draw, the, you paint the chopper in the background or something. I don't know. Yeah, you could. You literally, literally, the sky's the limit. Like, people love the opossums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don Lee and chat mentioned uh, uh, Stumpy Fongo, who we've had on the uh, on the, the stream uh, on the podcast before. Uh, he recently did a stream where he was cosplaying uh, Witcher, um, and that went over really well. I, I also can remember uh, you mentioned Bob Ross, a favorite streamer of mine. Uh, Russell Stewart has done at least one cosplays as bob ross dave greco did sailor mars i it, it that the, the cosplay <laughs> gets makes its way around on on twitch for sure yeah, hot take tyler also did a bob ross stream recently where he painted a bob ross painting while wearing the wig and all that stuff and talking in the uh happy little trees and rip Dave, rip devil etc another thing you could lean in is Failure and growth, too. That's an easy topic to approach community with. Um, you could literally, like, guys, I, you know, oh, my God, I fucked up, but check out what got, got, came from it, right? And document that to make fee people feel more comfortable because as artists, it, we're all insecure, some levels more than other, and um, of insecurity. So you could make market comfort so it's it's all about how you want to interact continuously and you can change it down the road again too uh just jumping back and forth is hard i tried <laughs> i tried the top hat thing i don't know if you guys saw that like when the first um when i first started twitch and i leaned into that with the instagram um uh, instagram reels so three years ago, there was an article that mentioned me as a almost magical creator. And then it just snowballed into people, other people reposting that on their blogs and other articles like the modern Matt calling me a shadow box magician. In a free, I'm not gonna lie, I freaking hate it. I still kind of do, but at some point, I just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm the original Shadowbox magician. I'm gonna put on a freaking top hat. And it actually it performed really well, but it required me to always be on. And with me having a hard time, <laughs> yeah. So with Twitch, I would like somebody subscribed, I put on a top hat, and you know, I was always dressed up to the nines. Um, and it got very exhausting to me because for me to be able to keep on schedule 
and still have time to do the performative action, like the preparation to, you know, put on makeup and get into that persona. And some days you just don't fucking feel like it. Most of them really, because it's not natural to me. Um, it just gets to the point where I decided, you know what? I don't even want to, like, I would just hide away from it. And um, I talked to my followers about it. And I'm like mentioned, like, guys, I'm feeling pressure to perform. And I feel like, you know, I have to, put on full face makeup and that takes half an hour every time. So it eats up my day and everybody basically went, we don't care. Do you do you? And I've been, you know, streaming just to talk to people and be in the community now. And it's been slowly growing and steadily growing and I don't have to do the performative anymore. So I feel much more comfortable in just being like the natural, like, Hey guys, we can all get there. And if I can help you, and if you have questions, I will try to help you as much as I can. And that's been a much better angle for me than the performative one, but I still love it. And if I ever have the, you know, the energy again, <laughs> I might film a bunch of videos and make, take a bunch of photos with a top hat again, and then put it back into my marketing again. So you, you can jump back and forth. So. That was a weird ending to the sentence, but I'm just going to go with that. Go with it. It's all good. Um, let's uh, move to our next section of questions. Because uh, one thing that you've mentioned briefly in the past that I would um, love to hear you talk more about is advertising. Um, and you know, you've sort of sprinkled it, uh, little bits of references to it kind of throughout the times that we've talked on, on this show and, you know, uh, off, off stream or in different places. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know how you use it because a lot of the artists that, that I know or that I have in mind um, probably think that they aren't making products that would benefit from advertising. So do you have a thermometer that you would use to gauge like who would benefit from advertising? Once you figure out the right way to do it and your right basically path, it gets easier because theoretically Twitch is advertising, you're streaming, that's you advertising, us having the podcast, that's advertising. Um, but you can also do pay to play. Um, if you want to start without pay to play, what I've done, I sat down and um, went through I did it for a week, day in, day out, for about 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, found any possible thing, be it a blog, be it a freaking mommy blog that has a lot of followers, uh, you know, that posts about art, uh, local newspapers, uh, local digital like blog newspapers, whatever you call them, uh, then things like Modern Met, Colossal, um, any smaller magazines that even publish uh, that that can get back into um, pay to play but usually the fee like submission fee is low like 20 25 dollars it is a bit of a gamble if they pick you if your work fits <clears throat> so you gotta look at that but they usually have submissions open for their online blog where they publish it for free and the biggest lesson I have learned in my life is 
none of the stuff that you're reading is actually somebody like when you're reading an interview, it's not somebody else interviewing the artist or the musician. It's written by them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's ridiculous. As long as you can propose to any publication, like, hey, um, I have all this written content and it's engaging. Check it out. Would you like to publish it? Most of the time they say yes. And I spent time to find all of it and I made a gigantic list and I made it, you know, um, green, orange, red priorities as well. <clears throat> like submit as soon as possible, submit soon, uh, submit uh, whenever you have time and you just email them. And some of them freaking, um, do you know Mondo posters? No, uh, or Mondo Tees or any of that. So they do the large, if anybody knows in the chat, um, I'm trying to explain it as, without getting it wrong. Um, they're pop culture, but more directed towards like movie posters. They're fairly well known. Um, they're in Austin and they do Mondo Con, con uh, once a year. Um, they also have a gallery. They take submissions and it's not hard. You literally send them an email with an attached link. Uh, Blackwing takes artist submissions, the pencil people. Um, they will publish like a feature on their website of you if your art fits, right? And it, they don't even ask for much. They just ask for a portfolio website or a website or any freaking link that leads to your stuff. And just randomly, whenever you just dilly-dallying around, have that list around and just send it out. And just because you don't get much traction there, create a very basic, like, hi, I do this. Um, I think it would be beneficial for both of us if we had, you know, a working relationship and you published me because whatever benefit you can provide, be it exposure, be it great content addition, make it up. Um, but all you have to do is change out the name. The rest is exactly the same. So you don't, you put the work in once and you just copy paste it. And then whenever you feel like it, however many months down the road, um, you can change it up a little bit and make it look like a follow-up email, right? And send it again so they see progress. Um, but that should not take up too much of your time, generally. Um, because as much like um, I think I've gotten when the modern met and board panda picked me up, the benefit I've got from it, the article, especially on modern met, was written beautifully. That was the one time that somebody actually wrote the article about me versus me writing the freaking article. Um, it was beautifully written, very well researched. She actually talked to me and everything. Um, I think 200 people saw it. Did you get better, better reach when you were doing your own writing for yourself or? Um, well, no, just because something looks, my point is basically just because something looks really high end and like it's gonna bring you a lot of stuff. That's why I'm saying, don't let it take up a lot of your time. Because um, it's not going to lead usually to paid leads unless you your story is going to go viral. Um, 
it's been about the same depending on who writes it. And I've had one benefit that does work. So whenever that happens and one of the larger colossal or modern men picks it up, which again, you can submit to them. They take submissions pretty well. Uh, don't be afraid of it either. It's easy. Um, it snowballs that other blogs and other magazines pick it up in other languages. So all of a sudden, you can, if you have a follower, say, that doesn't professionally speak English, but speaks Spanish or Portuguese or Korean, you have a blog article introducing you. So you can be like, hey, here, like, if you want to learn more about me because I'm not able to communicate to you the way I want to, this will help. Um, and I, I actually, and that helps also with your SEO. I know we're going to go later on down that road and talk about that. Because once they link to your website and you link back, whatever traffic they get gets attributed to you in the search engines and you rank higher for your chosen uh, sector. So that helps down the road too. But funny enough, like um, I somehow got into the L in uh, Thailand. They didn't notify me. Like I have to do a search about, I do it about every six months to 12 months. I just do Google search for myself. And I look not only through the hits because most of the hits that come up is me because I figured out my freaking SEO. <laughs> um, but I look at photos that are linked and I scroll down pretty much till the end because you will find like, again, the L magazine did a really long post about me that they never notified me about. So I had no idea that it was happening, but now I can add it and it makes me rank higher for search engines in other countries too. So we, we got deep into SEO there. Sorry about that. No, but this actually right. reminds me of uh, what uh, marketing companies will do with uh, streamers. They will hire one or two high-end streamers. So then other streamers will see that, that streamer is streaming that game. And then they will stream it, so they're trying to catch on, because they see that there's something else to do. Because uh, in the uh, video game t uh, Twitch, they're always looking for the next thing, because they don't want to be always streaming the last thing. So when it comes to uh, companies that are writing uh, articles on artists, they don't want to be the one that's last to pick up the story about the new hot artist or whatever. So that's why I think that you're getting the publications that are tangential or uh, sequential to um, the dominoes that are falling after the article that either you write for yourself or someone writes about you. And I have noticed from other colleagues of mine that um, they resubmit yearly. So they get an article yearly because you already have a working relationship at that point. So you have that snowball chance or snowball um, action happening once yearly. And Generally, like 200 people, 200 people more than knew about me before. So down the road, it will pay off at some point. Just don't expect to be like, oh, I got 20 online publications. I'm famous now. Like that, that doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. Anybody trying to sell you that is lying. <laughs> it does help give credence to when you do have other interactions, like saying like, hey, uh, this is an article that was written for, about me in L or whatever the publication is. If you were, uh, I don't know, uh, 
and you can also um another thing like talking about yourself you can always bolster yourself too like nobody actually knows that article most of the people probably will never be able to read it so you can assign it more um importance than it is if if you really wanted to um i find it a little personally i find it tacky when it's like i'm an i'm a very important artist i've been shown across the world including blah 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 it's just kind of like but to each one their own um so you mentioned a, a few things um when you were talking about pay to play or submitting to publications uh online um there was art i think you were correct me if i'm wrong you were talking about art submissions and article submissions or all just articles was there two separate things in there or um they kind of overlap truly because you usually tell them first that you would like to work with them and you show them your work and you tell them the benefits of working with you and i would have just the on the back end of one or two versions um of a written article if you wanted to and just copy paste um questions from other artists interviews or similar just depending on what they're looking on and what you're trying to propose again unless it's really important to you personally it's more of an ego boost than really at least at the moment you know monetary boost um so i would don't take too much time on it but just just collecting all that stuff so um i've been collecting all my writing including client emails um and putting them into google docs into a word document <clears throat> so at this point i have so much accumulated after four years that if i need to apply to a magazine or um or a convention i just open the corresponding document for specific that specific event and i copy paste it takes less than 10 minutes i would go as far as five because you just have prepared folders and you click 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 so in down the road you can also hire you know an intern or a part-time assistant to do that for you for a small amount of money because it does not take long i think i can knock out at this point like about a hundred to 200 of them a day if i need to just copy paste copy paste copy paste and by pay to play these you're you're talking about submitting articles the interviews that you've basically written yourself and then you you pay somebody to publish this thing that you've <laughs> written about yourself yeah, as, in um, the form of an interview what would be some places that we would submit to that kind of thing or that we would pay to yeah. have that kind of thing put out beautiful bizarre magazine american art collector actually american art collector every single article is paid for whatever looks like an actual magazine it is not um beautiful bizarre magazine does that too um i haven't reached out to many other ones but prepare yourself for heftier fees because they're more established um 
And another thing to pay to play, like look at your illustration societies. Um, I think, is it LOA, LOI, LA illustrators? There's multiple ones and sometimes they divide by the city. Look at all those guys, uh, all those, I guess, organizations, because some of them um, do paid Instagram posts. As, like you send them your art, you give them your, you know, I would like to buy this. And they tell you like, yes or no. And you just people them 25 bucks usually. But it has the benefit and they can write about you if you want to. Uh, or you can give them everything set up. Um, and <clears throat> um, you got to really weigh that because it can get expensive over time. Um, how much benefit you're getting and tracking. And I would request numbers at that point, like how much engagement did you have? And please give me your you know, audience screenshots, etc., and break down. Um, but it does help because quite often you have art directors following that kind of stuff, right? So it has worked before where I would say I definitely don't regret the $25. Um, it could also, you know, backfire if you're not quite sure what you're doing. Because you, you really got to also ask them, like, how their audience usually responds and tailor it a little bit. And I always would, when you're using those, I would um, make sure to mention somehow to lead them back to you, especially like preferably to your website. That's the perfect one or your newsletter again. Um, somehow to keep them for yourself. So you have, you know, measurable success to there in who came from what um, that can be by giving out, I don't know, a code to your website for a free sticker that you can put in an envelope or similar. And <clears throat> one second, um, train of thought. Let me think for a second. Oh, there was one. Uh, another thing that takes submissions for free and will publish you for free. They do require you to write, though, and they have quite specific requirements. Um, and I forgot the name. What's the magazine? <laughs> <laughs> What's the magazine from... England that does the creative block and it's super like famous for digital artists. Oh, I know we all grew block, up with it. Spectrum. Mm -mm. That's a book. Oh my God. One moment. We'll, uh, we'll edit this part out. <laughs> after the fact. Well, the last time we said we will edit something out, uh, with Dari's interview, we actually didn't because she, uh, we got up to get something the last time too. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Imagine the facts. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can apply as a... So they have a feature. Sorry, my brain is basically toast. Um, they have a feature section that you can apply to by just sending an email. That's it. And they email you back um, and tell you exactly what to get like what you need to get done and they always want new artists like they need new artists i got a response within i think two days and i know they have been looking for more artists because they have been reaching out to people like hey can we please feature you 
So there's been a lack of submissions there if you want to jump on it. Um, that, but they will, hmm? Oh, sorry. Do they want content aside from the art or do they, they just want to see they, your art? They do. So I, I will show you in a second. I can't do that with both. So it will be a, usually a double page spread that they will design for you, um, but they will require like your photo, little photo, introduction photo, and a small about 50 word bio. Um, and also um, the four pieces, really quick summary of what it's about, why and how. Um, and the good thing about this is, and you gotta be proactive about it, People that are published in here doing tutorials, etc. once you get into the feature, which is, again, super easy, you can tell them, hey, I want to do a tutorial, and they will pay you for it. So that's interesting. But you, you got to be proactive. You got to be like, hey, guys, I want to do a tutorial for an upcoming issue. Uh, let me know what you need or let me know what you have available topic wise. Usually they give you literally like free reign. So most like Vaughn, um, I'm not sure how he first got into it. And I presume at this point, because he's getting featured a lot, he either is really good about keeping up to date with it and continuously talking to them. Um, or they have focused on him uh, because he keeps over and over having tutorials and um, special editions, etc. So that that's another good way. And you get paid for that content. You don't get paid for the feature. Do we have an idea of what the pay is, like if it's worthwhile? Because pay from uh, industry can for artists, uh, we know it can be from, from $25 for 10 hours of work to $10,000 for 10 hours of work. So if I remember correctly, I have had that talk with one of my colleagues, a few hundred dollars, That's but not it's yeah. not exclusive content. So whatever you just written can down the road after the publication, you know, that issue have passed, you can use it to, you know, put on your picture or your blog, your own blog, and lead it back to him or give snippets out of it. Like there's a lot of usage that can come out from one piece of written content. You can recycle it over and over and over again. Put it up on Gumroad and there you have uh, the Gumroad's input, which is yeah, could be 80 to $200 a month just from that. Um, that's really interesting information. My next set of questions is, <laughs> so boring and pedestrian compared to some of the things that you've just been talking about um but i am curious about um like facebook advertising instagram and you've mentioned google before too so um but to break those up because facebook and instagram are basically the, the same thing do you use facebook and instagram advertising um so i the only way i use facebook is by having instagram cross post um Facebook went through a few updates and I just, I don't understand it anymore. Like I can't find anything that I need and I'm, it sounds horrible, but I'm just not interested what you eat for lunch. I'm not interested in that. That's boring. Um, so I kind of stopped using that. Uh, but when you pay for Instagram ads, it will cross promote it to Facebook and format it. 
And if you have Facebook Business Suite, you can actually have full control of how it's going to look, etc., and how much you want to push towards, like percentage-wise towards Facebook versus Instagram, or you can give it free reign and do whatever. So the algorithm takes over, and sometimes it works really well. And I've tried it before, and it basically ate my money. Um, it is useful if you have a product. I would not... It used to be that you could promote for a few like dollars, like 20 to 40, and you could have an, basically a sponsored post run for about a week um, and get new followers, new engaged followers. It has changed fairly recently, within a year, I believe, that it is more about product. You will not get interaction unless your post is not only engaging and interesting, but you're also selling a product and have direct link to a product. <clears throat> if you want more followers, giveaways are great for that. Um, but that doesn't functions, I guess it functions similar on other uh, platforms. And you can Google it and figure out what's, um, Tur I guess um, I'm lacking the word right now. Turnover is for how much money you have to spend per head to get a paid lead. Conversion. Thank you. Yes, conversion rate is. And there's charts for you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, every single platform that you can think of. And. Excuse me. And um, Google is good when you figured out your website's SEO. So I have tried it. Um, they always send you once you have, I have Google suites for my email and um, I love using it. It's getting more expensive though. And um, they will give you every few months a free hundred dollars if you spend 50. I believe that was the calculation. Um, so you can set up your Google ad and they will push it. You can make it decide if it will push to partner sites. So any website that has like an ad banner, basically, um, that can go really weird. Just a warning, <laughs> a serious warning. Because <laughs> uh, you can all of a sudden by mistake show up on porn sites has happened. Um, or you can specifically tell it what to do. And at that point, it gets really interesting and finicky and you actually have to look into it. You can market specifically if there's a hot artist that does something similar to you, you can use their momentum and take it from them. Uh, that is more predatory, but it works like a charm. Um, you will set up your Google ad to come up whenever that other person's art is looked up. You will pop up at the top of it. How do you do that? Their, their own website. <laughs> um, so they have search keywords. They have an area for search keywords with that. Um, you can also, um, I've been figuring it out over time. I think I've spent on Google ads about $400 so far over the last two years just playing around. Plus, you know, what the close to 800 that they gave me. 
right? That's my methods right there, I think. So I, I got a little bit, because I, I started with zero knowledge. I just Googled how to do it and tried it out. Uh, it didn't work out. So leads for Google um, vary depending on what you're trying to do. If it's text search based or if it's a banner based, you pay different rates. And um, you better have a product that covers the rate because it's about $70 per paid lead. So the person that you get that will buy from you will cost you about 70 bucks. So, excuse me, I'm having like a really dry throat. No problem. So, but if you do have products like, you know, I, I have people that I dislike and they're my nemesis <clears throat> and I will gladly run it against them because to me, it's like this little, <sighs> you suck. <laughs> you copied my ideas. You suck. Um, but it works. It works that, that way you use their momentum. Um, publicists do that. That's an actual job. There's a profession for that. That will take if you're being copyright infringed on and that person's actually having more success than you um you can turn that momentum over and bring it back to yourself so um i've looked into it quite a bit it it takes knowledge over the program you can learn it though by just reading about it and trying it out um so when you're making an advertisement i or i guess specifically for for google uh or instagram too um what is your thought process like are are you looking to oh is it always just like your product you want people to come back and and buy paintings from you things that you've already made or like custom pieces how do you what are you trying to pitch to people when you make an advertisement so I've done it before when I first started where instead of a product, I've advertised um, just come to my website because I, I thought, you know, more traffic to my website will mean more sales, which it really doesn't work that way. Um, and I didn't have proper SEO, so I actually messed up the ad. So the ad would show when you already were Googling for me, <laughs> which was basically a waste of $200. Uh, <laughs> But on the other hand, I did get direct feedback at the art store because it did pop up for them on the Google here in town. Um, and you can target, you can go down, you can target like specifically towns, you can target um, specific time frame, you can target um, a specific country. I wouldn't go like super international, just target one country, one state or maybe even go down further into like five cities, it will cost you less. So it works the way that you basically, your money bids, it does automatic bidding. You could do it manually, but that's a whole another level that I'm not even fully understanding yet. But Google basically says, um, so this is my keyword that I have. You seem to be interested in that keyword and I would like to sell it to you for 30 cents, but then there's your competitor saying, but I will pay 35 cents for it. And then there's a third one saying, oh, I will pay 60. So all of a sudden that keyword shows only the guy that offered the 60. 
but it can you can set it to automatic bidding for keywords so it just buys the keywords that you want and uh, you need to do your research um, and that technique comes actually mostly from um, like Etsy, the, the, the ABC, when you type in whatever you're trying to sell or whatever you're doing, and you see what pops up after that or related searches or what people looked for and how popular it is. Because the more searches are under the set keyword or the more, <clears throat> um, the more content there is, the more expensive it will be and the more people search for it. There's a, there's a slew that goes into this. And... <clears throat> Um, you want to target, if you're targeting a buying market, you want to target people looking for decor rather than people trying to get people to follow you because generally it's too fucking expensive for just an ego boost. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a waste of money in my opinion. Um, but you can, I would get my SEO straight first because that will help you a lot. So your um, title tags for each homepage and your meta descriptions and your um, SEO images. So it's all engaging and it's all like, you know, when you uh, look up, I don't know, I've been, I've been Googling like Wacom versus iPad comparisons because that's my next investment. And um, <clears throat> um you know when it says like what's better Wacom or iPad I did all these tests let's find out what happened like let or um, I will give you the 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 advice which to buy or whatever those those little snippets that you read those are your SEOs so um, again Jarvis is pretty good at it <laughs> I'm gonna um, I actually you know when I played with it I did pay for the first month and I'm still in the first month and it did really, really good SEO writing in my opinion. <clears throat> and I'm going to try it out and plug it in and then measure what's happening and how my conversion rate for my sales on my website goes up without ads first and then try with ads down the road. Because the, even if it goes up a little bit, it's already better than what I have. So, so this Jarvis AI is actually constructing like content for you so that you're going to use on your website. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, right. So I can write, I can write quite well and I can write a lot of content, um, but I have an incredibly hard time starting usually because just too many thoughts. Remember we talked about like, just dump your brain on the page. It just doesn't work sometimes. And you can plug in a few words and it gives you the first few sentences and you can continue doing it. So you are end up editing versus writing everything from scratch. And the first time I played with it, I think I've created about seven pages of content within less than 30 minutes. I can come up with my, that much stuff. And I found it very funny because like writing uh, post blogs for Patreon for like titles, for blog posts, it has that feature too. It's re it's a really cool tool. I definitely seriously check it out. It's neat as fuck. So you you and give it like keywords or phrases or anything like what you just start. You start so you start training it. You start feeding it your writing. 
but it has even such things as sentence extenders and creative writing. It can write a freaking story for you if you want. Yeah, and they got, it got it pretty well a few times. And then I took those snippets, edited it, and then saved it separately for me. And um, where I was going with the blog posts, like it has a feature blog post title. So you tell them like, you can copy paste the stuff you already have written on your website and see what it comes up with. And it came up with some real freaking gold. Like it looks engaging. It looks interesting. It looks like something you would read from a professional company that I would have never come up with because again, a lot of emotional stuff that has to go into that, that I just don't really connect with and understand. <laughs> me and you both. I, I can, I can actually, let me, I have it in a word doc. I can read you a short snippet. Well, uh, while you, while you look that up, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, um, kind of like a quick follow-up question though. Um, cause it, it, this is, we're sort of overlapping SEO and advertising advertising. So I, I want to linger just a little bit on the advertising too. Do you think of a percentage of your, uh, your income, you know, or do you budget advertising into your like monthly or yearly expenditures? So when you start, <clears throat> again, the bookkeeping is really helping with that. Should I have done it better before? I had an idea of what my yearly budget is and I could break it down from there just after, you know, existing for a few years as an artist. Um, also, one thing that you should definitely, definitely count as advertising is conventions. They're in my advertising budget. Um, and because it's that's basically what it is, right? And um, you should spend around 20% of your total yearly budget, like income. So, you know, if you're making 100K, you should spend 20 to make this 100K again or to make 150 next year. So each um, easy way to start, it's a high number and most people are like, the fuck? <laughs> like I, I dream of getting to that point, right? Uh, think about it that way. For every dollar you spend, you should be making one and a half. If you are not, you something is wrong with the way you're doing it and you need to go back and fine tune it. And it comes with experience. Again, I have wasted a lot of money trying out things, but it's kind of part of it and it is deductible. So it's part of your business expense. Um, well, as we transition more fully into SEO, did you have that Jarvis, those Jarvis snippets that you were going to read to us? So this is fully AI generated. Yes. When yeah, I click wanna... on the document that's doing the sign, give me just a second. I'm going to okay. scroll back. Oh. Possum is making its way out again. Um, so I have worked with uh, 
my SEO and meta description and trying to come up with something interesting. And I spent a lot of time in 2020 actually looking at other artists' websites that pride themselves on just marketing, marketing alone. And they're not within our niche of fantasy at all, but I did basically steal their tactics uh, or, you know, copy. <laughs> um, there's uh, plugins for your browser that you can see everything that is part of the SEO. Um, so you can see what you can do with it. And I can tell you which one I'm using currently. Um, so one of the Jarvis, Jarvis meta description um, goes. Maybe copy and paste it into a browser that uh, the, whatever the push talking button doesn't interact with would be. Yeah. Okay, let's try this again. Okay. So um, I have one for the homepage, and it's put out, in my opinion, goal. So I'm going to plug it in one-to-one. -one. And it goes with a title tag. That is what usually comes up when, you know, somebody searches Darex Nova. It will say Darex Nova, blah, 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 homepage, right, with dashes in between. And then it will have, uh, it would say, um, cut paper illustration by Darex Nova. We can add in front of that fantastical cut paper illustration, right? It's still much more easily understandable than a visual narrative artist because, good Lord, why did I pick that? Because nobody gets it. Uh, generally, they're like, what is that? And it's like, a uh, storyteller? Like, eh. um, But meta description, which would be the little text underneath, was going, cut paper illustration is a mesmerizing and whimsical world where shadows, texture, color, and light playfully interact with your imagination. Inspired by the stories of fables and folklore from around the globe, each piece offers an escape into, an, into another realm. Um, that, it spit it out in like three seconds. This it fucking, this fucking AI came, came up with that? That's fucking serious. Yeah. Based, on, based on what? What did you give to it that it um, came up with that? I kept plugging in what I already has, have written in my bio and or I plugged in freaking tweets that I have tweeted before. Wow. I literally like portfolio day tweets. That's serious. And I uh, there's another one that does creative writing. And I've read worse stuff that was written by humans. Yeah, my, honestly, my first thought about this was uh, there are books that you can sell just on Amazon only. So if you could you have an AI to write your books for you. You can just spit out <laughs> books on Amazon and uh, get passive income from there. I feel like there's a there's a little side project in here that's waiting to happen. Not by me. I don't want to pay more money in taxes. You theoretically could. They're long format story writing starts getting expensive because they know that it's valuable. At that point, you're going $99 and upwards. And it's kind of endless upwards depending on the length. So they um, so they they charge you more the longer that your content gets. It's not like a so month a monthly they subscription. Give you, they give you a good like long long snippet, and the rest you really can come up with like that little tiny one that I came uh, that I read to you. They give you about four times as much as maximum text, um, but you can you can have like an editor function that you can add or uh, oh, there's one that's really cool. 
comment responder. It will respond to reviews and comments. You plug in the name of the person that did that comment. You plug in the comment and it gives them a response and you can copy paste it back. It's genius. It's for, I'm generally, I'm compl I'm was completely floored by how good it was. Um, so with, <laughs> you're gonna love, to me, this is like completely like super romanticized. I would never write that way. So here's a little creative writing snippet. I literally put in, um, I'm gonna try something new, a shadow box. That was my sentence. And this is what it came up with. It was a perfect day for the arts, a beautiful sunny day with only a hint of humidity in the air. The sun shone through my window and lit up my cluttered apartment as I sat on my, at my desk or, as I sat at my desk making plans to create something really new and unique in illuminated Shadowbox artwork, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> this is killing me. That's insane. <laughs> it's not quite actually as simple as this, but basically you train it and it recognizes pattern and language and then starts using those patterns. And the more you plug into it, the more stuff it puts out that sounds like what you're trying to do. So uh, I know I sound like an ad, but it's such a cool program because it creates content for me and I love it. Because it no, I'm, fasc no, I'm fascinated um, by that. I mean, that's definitely like good information. Um, we, I did we can have a whole another, if you want an episode where I just go off on that, because there are some that can mimic your artwork. Yeah. With like 30 images. It's nuts. Okay, well, let's not um, go down that rabbit hole yet. I want to go back to the, uh, the website research. Do send me that link after the show, though. That you were talking about before. Um, you were talking about having done research. You were analyzing other artists' websites. That mm -hmm. you, and the, the way that you put it, I think, um, was that uh, you were analyzing websites that you knew were doing good or that you wanted to steal some tactic of theirs. How did you know that it was good? How did you know that it was something that was worth stealing from? Um, so I listen basically to whatever gets said around the community, especially around um, like my colleagues. And a few colleagues brought up a specific like marketing course by another artist. Um, and it's an expensive freaking course. It's, it's a grant, which is ridiculous. Because she doesn't teach you. I got my hands on a lesson plan because if I, you know, hyper focus on something, I will, I will find out, find anything. Thing, yeah, like, yeah, ADHD perks. <laughs> um, I got, I found the full lesson plan. I found some lessons. I found the groups. I found every single person that ever took a course with her in their views of it and um, what they, what type of artwork they produce. I went through all those websites and you start noticing trends. Uh, you start noticing trends, how they design their websites, how it's laid out. Because I, I would love to say like, oh, just go to any bigger tailor and just copy mm -hmm. that. It does not work. Um, and I did notice an improvement once I started redesigning my website, making more engaging, more pictures, more information. So telling a visual story versus just being like, yo, here's my portfolio, you know, I'm Daria and bio behind it. Um, and I thought my website was really good before, <laughs> by the way, it was not. 
but I noticed my uh, conversion rate went way up and people started staying longer on my website. <clears throat> and I just kept going and I kept comparing and then I got the tools to like look at the SEO and compare those. And because um, they start to look like if you t if a lot of people take the same course and some of the names Moose, you know, Joby, 100%, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be an ass, so I'm not going to say it. Um, and <clears throat> they start to look too much like a copy uh, because they took the same course, they followed the same steps, and it gets a bit freaking boring. So I decided to take the parts that look engaging and ignore the parts that I personally do not like. And it has been quite successful because it still looks like me but it looks like me engaging you and me putting more effort in than before. And it still has my humor in it, right? Um, but I did copy some layouts and you can find out, you can open up code in any browser, right? From the website. And you can see like what type of um, <sighs> platform they're using, what template they're using. Um, and then you can reverse look up all that. You can look up what plugins they're using. Are they paid plugins, like code plugins? Are they not? Um, then you can find there's, you can buy like for Squarespace, you can buy all sorts of stuff that you just plug and play with. Um, and you can find people where you just subscribe to their blog or whatever. And they sometimes every few months publish interesting codes like a countdown, etc. And um, you also need to kind of decide what your website is laid out to do. So I relayed out before it was just basically, hey, this is this is portfolio. But what happened, I had no clicks through. So people would come to my homepage, look at all the pictures and get the fuck out. And I reversed it to make the front, the homepage basically landing page. So it is interesting proposition call to action interesting call oh, interesting proposition call to action again and you know it alternates and gives you photos and it like tells you basically how you possibly not only you could support me but you could benefit from it too so like my <clears throat> my website currently starts off with enchanting art for your home right and then there's a banner, composite banner of a bunch of artworks in them. And um, I believe after that, it has a call to action for prints. And it lists the benefits, the short benefits, like unique, limited edition, Gicle um, or archival. I don't remember what I wrote. But and you, you should always continuously improve on it. And Joby, remember um, how... I, th I think I was in your chat and I'm like, oh, I finally done with the redesign and you asked to see it. And then you're like, oh my God, I just want a copy. And I'm like, please go ahead because that's literally what I did. And I'm going to keep an eye on those people um, that, you know, how they change and what they do. Uh, again, weighed against like, are they actually successful? Are they full time? Because, you know, I had the biggest sale ever could mean a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, so 10, 20, 30,000, you never know. But you will over time notice trends. And I have been adjusting 
<clears throat> like to your own stuff. Um, I have been one second. Uh, I wanted to clarify a little bit more of like when you were looking for websites to pick information from, what were you looking for in terms of like, how did you know, okay, this is something that is going to be working. I'm going to take it for myself and use it. What was your, uh, what, what, yeah, what were you looking for with that? A bit of an internal design sense and then the same like a reverse engineering. So looking at the people's social media, looking at how they present themselves, looking at all their projects that they've been doing and seeing where they start to change the tune. So, you know, um, people get excited whenever something good happens. So they will probably talk about it, especially if they have a larger presence and like to be on social media. Uh, they will at some point mention like, I redesigned this and then all of a sudden they go, you know, oh, I've had the best holiday sale I've ever had by, you know, doing this and this and this. And um, you kind of start nitpicking at that point and you start watching them. Just just check in like every few weeks, see what has changed, see what's being pushed, how it's being pushed and cross-reference it with their social media. And I uh, nitpicked, so I that person got talked about by multiple colleagues. So I found her and I started taking looking through the code of her website. And then um, I went to find the, just Googled the crap out of her in any possible combination of keywords um, and uh, found every single website she has ever built. Like the Wayback Machine helps there too. So you can compare there. So you, you have to put in some work, you have to do research. Um, and just follow follow the thread and see what starts to work for them and then take the best parts of it that feel authentic to you. Okay, yeah, no, that's good. That's that's what I was wondering. Because this is something that's more of a long game rather than like you're just uh, da, da, Google search, look at a website. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that thing right there, I'm going to use that. No, you're talking about more of a, uh, a, a long game research plan. Um, so in thinking about SEO, it's kind of mysterious. It's a little bit nebulous sometimes. It, it has been for me in the past. I feel like I've started getting a, a, a little bit clearer idea of like how it works and, and what to look for. But most of my information um, that, I, that I understand about SEO has to do with kind of like longer format content or like writing content. Um, do I have to have a blog or do I need to have a podcast on my website for SEO to matter? And if not, what kind of things am I doing with SEO when it comes to just, uh, you know, more image-based content on my website? So blog-based content works the best, but that does mean you have to write a blog. Um, SEO, you can, so on your page, you can actually tell um Squarespace, because we both use Squarespace. There's the, there's the same way to do it to every page uh, in every plug and play and or complete coding from scratch, which sites Google is not supposed to crawl, right? So it will ignore them. So I don't want in search results to ever the first thing to come up again, learn to trial and error privacy policy or um, 
uh, returns and exchanges or cookie policy because I have all that written. It's all linked. And the first time I actually, I found out that those were showing the first time I ran Google ads because that's all it showed. And um, I started going through and being more, more picky, like, okay, I want to show this, but not this. And when you allow websites, like I do some writing for my little stories for some of my shadow boxes, I kind of stopped doing it over time. Um, and I allow Google to crawl those and each of the images has tags in it too that are relatable to it. But the writing for um, for the like descriptions of the artwork that I'm doing got replaced with product descriptions. And those have keywords too. And you go from there and you think like, what would people be searching for if they want this? And um, I started very basic, just describing the product, which again, backfired immensely. And that's how you see like when your conversion rate for your website goes up, people staying longer, people buying. Um, so if you if you're anywhere near even the average for your industry, you're set. Like you have 1% conversion rate, you freaking golden. You have two and a half, you up there with the best. <clears throat> and um, I made the funniest thing. And you can see by keywords what is being searched for uh, and how those people are getting to your website. And I have a sticker. It's a shark and it's a small shark. So I called it a baby shark. <laughs> And that ruined my conversion rate, completely freaking ruined it. Same with, you know, because people were searching for baby shark and Google was spitting my, you know, not super kid friendly art at them. <laughs> and another one was clear, clear sticker. Nobody is going to really search for buying clear sticker, but artists will search for clear sticker manufacturers which also ruined my, my conversion rate because I kept getting artists and they would go on the website and then they would bounce immediately because they're like, what the fuck is this, right? Um, so you, you start figuring it out. So you got to kind of figure out what is your customer look, looking for? And weirdly enough, a good place to just check it out is Etsy. Um, I'm pretty sure every single one of us has bought something on there. And you can see what products get recommended and just read through the descriptions and what it says there. Um, I'm not sure if keywords are visible with Etsy, but that's the whole like ABC, right? You type in, you know, you want, I don't know, a harpy sticker, what comes afterwards or illustration, what comes like, what's the next word that it's suggesting? Because Etsy has their SEO game just damn figured out like holy crap have, i don't know if you noticed like anytime you search for anything you get etsy listings right. and um i have a really really old etsy account that was like my very first shop under a different name uh when i still wanted to brand out under like a pen name and it's still even so it's deleted shows the like the profile picture of me for that shop and I cannot push it down when you search for me. I cannot beat Etsy. I can't. And I deleted that thing. So 
they're good. They're a good way to just base your stuff on it. So you're talking about creating SEO or building SEO into the products that you have, like on your on your store. Like there's things that you can do to actually like load the back end of a product. Like let's say I'm selling a, a, a piece of artwork up as a print on my web store. What would I do behind the scenes to try and get that artwork to serve in a Google search return? So writing a good description helps. Not just being like, this is a print, I don't know, 10 by 10. It's printed with this ink. It printed with this paper. While you need to have that information, you need also the text around it so you sound like a human and you sound more interested. Um, a good example for it is actually like fashion retailers, but look for like more quirky ones. Um, I'm not sure if they are anymore, but look at Nasty Gal. Uh, Doll's Kill is another one. Uh, they're more like edgy, but they do like pretty engaging descriptions like you know in these boots you will feel like the queen that you are because uh, you know the pearls on it will blind your enemy so that kind of shit right <laughs> it's engaging it's really engaging because they are selling you not the we we used to it we are um conditioned to it from childhood on that's just how our world currently works that we are marketed a better version of ourselves versus the actual product. And that goes together with a whole lecture about, you know, mental health. But think about it. Think about like Dove soap. They don't say, hey, our soap cleans that well. You, That's why you should buy our soap. They go like, everybody is beautiful. And then there's, you know, women of all sizes posing, but they're still all perfect, right? So um look around uh, different descriptions and just copy paste whatever actually like triggers you like whatever is like oh cool i really want that actually right because i would never wear giant platform boots but damn that description really sold me and start deriving it from there and it, again jarvis <laughs> ai <laughs> does that too <laughs> if in you want in the chat <laughs> In the chat, Don Lee made a perfect joke because you you had said uh, you need to sound like a human, but let's have the AI. It sounds more human than me somehow. I don't know why. But uh, you, I, 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 I'm I'm going to make the stand that using AI is the new human, and it's a little tongue in cheek, but it's also uh. We're going to say 75% serious, 25% sarcastic. It's going to be a tool. It's going to be another tool that we use to help us sound and communicate and sound like people and communicate. That's okay. That's okay, right? Right? You know, please, it gets fed from a general public, so it actually has a better grasp on trends than I will ever have. Fuck, man. Use the tools that are available to you. Um, I feel like no Oh my god no it's fine um we're man we're we're pushing uh into the upper limits again of uh the amount of content that that we can create in on any given uh episode here so i would like to start 
uh, wrapping it up. Moose, did you have any follow-up questions? Uh, yeah. Last time we mentioned that we were going to uh, hit you up for the uh, URL for the Creative Collective, I believe it was called, that uh, helped uh, for like $60 a month, uh, got you in touch with the, um, the art directors for what they wanted and what you could send to them rather than trying to cold call the, the, the ADs. But when I Googled, we, one, we forgot to follow up with you to get the, the exact URL. But when I Googled it thinking, oh, of course, it would be easy to find. There's like 30 different creative collectives and they're all pretty similar in that they're all in regard to creativity and groups. So which one of those millions of creative collectives is actually the one where people are looking for? I don't know. So I wanted to check in with you about that. So instead of looking for creative collectives, creative collectives are good to, you know, get information about those sites. What you're looking for, you need to look at a different angle. And I already got the link. I will copy paste it for you. You're looking for ad agencies specifically marketed towards illustrators. Like, um, oh, for God's sake, why am I brain? Come on. Names are not my friend. Because you've been uh, up all night uh, feeding that little uh, possum. <laughs> How did you know? Um, uh, but, 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 but illustrators. It's the biggest one. They publish a book that goes to to our directors, actually, and our directors do look at it. It's the biggest one in the industry. Um, they expense is fine. Is, it's about $6,000 a year, um, but they get your results if you're there. Um, now, again, big ask, wouldn't go for it right away, but what they do, they list other, again, this is all of reverse engineering. So I found out about it. Uh, I, oh, it's I think it's Society of Illustrators. Um, it should be like a red website, but I found out about it by following our directors on social media. And they're like, oh, a new book came in. And you're like, oh, what book? Let's Google it. Let's let's look it up. Where did they get it from? And how do I get in there? And then, you know, you land on Society of Illustrators. And your next step is um, you see what they offer with their membership. And one of the things is that they say they will, um, uh, you get a few months free with Yoda List, which is the marketing thing for email. And that's how I found them. And I wouldn't never have found it because I Googled endlessly for that kind of stuff. And I never took the approach of looking for an artist marketing company versus like a society. So that was, you know, my first thing too. Another one is uh, Scylla's, uh Society Illustrators LA. And that one I found through Justin because Justin said something about it on his social media. So it's just kind of. Hmm? I'm sorry? S I L A S? Silas? No, S I L A. They have a Discord, by the way, just FI. Um, then there's, you know, Rusty Skillet, another one with a bunch of artists in it when we share tips. And um, another one, if you're, if you're a woman, um, there's SOFAS, um, Society of Fantasy Artists, but it's just the woman chapter. 
So I think we have like, it's a Facebook group. It doesn't cost anything. Um, 3,000 women in there that are all fantasy illustrators. And if we need some advice from anything, you can just drop in a question. Um, but let me drop the other list for you one second. And this is the one that you mentioned in the last episode, which is $60 so a month. Yeah, this or... is the one that's $65 a month. Um, and you'll get basically marketing emails written. I don't know if they write them for you, but they give you a list specifically. And you can extend it, like, if you need a specific artist, right? I need someone to manufacture giant acrylic, I don't know, room that's an art installation. Um, they will connect you to the person that you need to be connected to. And, you know, you can specify uh, what type of art directors you need and you get updated information. And I don't, I don't remember currently how exactly they charge because it's possible that they do the, you know, you have to sign up for a year a la Adobe. Um, and if you try to exit, you still owe us. Uh, but if they're monthly, 65 bucks is worth it like once a freaking year to not having to search for all that information yourself yeah, if you and, get one decent paying gig from it mm -hmm. then you, it pays yeah and again deductible and um another good one so i actually joined and i've been behind on everything but i've joined the paper artist collective and i have so the pack if you do paper cut artwork or where the majority of your work is paper, it would be a good one to join. And another one is IAPMA, International Artists Paper Makers Society. <laughs> Somehow I never remember what the acronym is. Um, but that one is a good one. Again, $75 a year. But now I get a monthly email with all the calls for art, including museums specifically targeted towards people who do cut paper things. And for the pack, it's 35 pounds a year. It's about 50 bucks currently, um, current exchange rate. Um, and you get an online portfolio and those guys have a, such a good standing at that point in the community companies come to them and hire you from them and they're limited to 100 people so people drop out they get new people um it's a yearly like turnaround but just sending them your portfolio and just waiting on it at some point you get in uh it's i feel like it's worth it just because i know a lot of colleagues that got in into things that i broke my head over how the heck they got it because i generally i looked and searched and spend way too much freaking time trying to find how to get into a museum. And I talked to um, museum curators and I emailed museum curators that took submissions and non-collecting museums versus collecting museums. And I looked at their programs. How the fuck do I get my foot in the door? $75 a month, uh, a year with one of the societies they send you i've never been able to find any of those in the international and on top of that they do like a congress um every two years i believe it's basically whoever wants to there's certain limited amount of space i guess i'm not 100 percent how 100 sure how it works but like 
the museum in Japan is hosting them this year, if this year happens. So you get exhibited in a museum in Japan. You can send your artwork for free. You don't have to pay any fee. You just pay shipping and they pay you to ship it back. But if you wanted to fly, of course, you know, they have, you know, booked accommodations if you want to pick them. So similar to like, uh, what is that course where it's a week long and you travel to with all the fancy artists, fancy illustrators. I'm having a name problem today. There's a, I, there's Luxcon? a few of those. Oh. Netaluxcon, the other one. You can... You can win a sponsorship from Muddy Colors that you like out one. Thank you, Ellie, Illustration Masterclass. No, there's one more, I think. Uh, where you live with everyone in a dorm. I don't know. We might have to add this in okay. after the fact. <laughs> My brain is a little out of it. No, it's okay. Um, it's okay. I don't want to. So I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, go like ahead. Three thousand dollars for the week, I believe. Oh wow. So, but James Gurney was, I think, la last time that it was going. Then they have gallerists invited um, to like portfolio reviews, etc. Um, so it's like an immersion for one week. So it's a similar thing. Um, but at that point, you are going even further down the specific niche and they have courses on like paper making, if you wanted to learn and how to handle washi paper and how to make it. And it, it's insane. Like what they offer, the websites of some of those are really hard to navigate, but just what they offer is nuts comparatively to how little they charge. Okay, well, um, I, I have to start bringing it to a close, but uh, this has once again been phenomenal. A um, couple of, last couple of questions, Daria. Where would you like people to go to find you? So the easiest one is dariaaksanova.com, and that is my website, and it will lead you anywhere else you would like to go. Um, otherwise, if you want to follow me on social media, I've been lazy on it, but I will be back. <laughs> I'm mostly active on Instagram. I horrendously suck at Twitter um, until I use the AI. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and we um, will have all of your links in the, uh, in the show description as well. I will be back on Twitch once I'm done with the bookkeeping and taxes stuff as well. So I will resume my usual, you know, scheduling and interacting with people. Um, so yeah, just Google my name. Yes. And I'm uh, going to just put this little guy to the camera just to give you guys a moment because he's adorable. Uh, well, I, I, su I suspect that I know the answer to this next question is it is our trademark final question. What is one thing that's happening in the world right now that you're excited about? I have actually gotten both my vaccine shots um, and conventions are slowly starting to come back, which why I survived fairly well. Well, that's a lie. I worked about 10 times as much and way less, made way less money. Um, and I'm stuck with a bunch of products <laughs> currently. Um, 
in 2020. Um, I'm definitely excited for back to human interaction. It's going to be very interesting, but I also hope it's going to be quite good. So I think the first one is like end of summer, which I to God hope we can keep the current rate of fixing things and get back to human. I thought you were going to say the opossum, the little baby opossum that you have, but conventions are okay too. I don't know if there's much excitement because I haven't slept <laughs> because I had to nurse him <laughs> with wow, a syringe every 45 minutes. I mean, that's, that's, that's someone's party. Uh, Daria, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was super great. Uh, we might even have to do round three at some point, but uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna done. wave. I'm gonna wave goodbye and hit end on the record.